Hey everybody, welcome to a special Tuesday in the United States edition, Wednesday in Australia. So super excited to have my friend, and I'm saying his name right because I, I'm not saying it with Australian accent, but Matt Forgotis, because I've asked him and I wanted to practice. I always think it's really nice. You think you know how to say something like Matt, right? But I, I yep. have messed up even those things. So Perfect pronunciation. You nailed it. <laughs> but I didn't do the accent. I'm not well, going to try to do the accent. You can if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'll just stick to mine. It would, yeah. I would have needed to practice longer. But <laughs> I'm really excited. I've been a huge fan for a long time of your work. And when I talked to you, I don't know, months ago, um, you're just so easy to talk to. You have a great, um, you have a great personality and your work ethic, as well as just kind of your life um, philosophy, I think, life work philosophy. Um, I think you're a great dad. Every time I see things on Facebook, um, you just look like you're, you know, just such Thank a- Thank you, Diane. That's a, super nice of you to say that. Um, and, and likewise, if I can repay the favor, I've, I've checked into a heap of your um, episodes in the past. And um, yeah, I always really enjoy your interviewing style. Like it's, you know, it's, it's always a pleasure listening to you interview people. So- there you go, straight back at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. And my mom's here too, so she's in Georgia also, North Georgia. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to jump in. One of the things I, when in the beginning, I didn't even put this in here, but I have tons of questions for Matt. But one of the things that he had told me, and I'm like, I'm totally stealing this. In a good way, hopefully you'll think this is. But you yep. said, um, oh, you know, when you're doing work for your friends, like we call it in the the United States, the friends and family discount, right? Which is not yep, very yep. fun, but you, no. do you remember, do you know what you call yours? Cause I do. It's the mates rate, mates which rates. I think is awesome. I love yeah. that. So I'm totally stealing that. And yeah, absolutely. Anyway. I've kind of taken it one step further with, with mates rates. Um, I, I sometimes uh, get paid in surfboards, which <laughs> might be a lot, cheaper than actually the service that I provide. But for me, the idea of a surfboard mm. is, uh, is just so much more than the, the reduced rate sort of thing. Like, you know, it's a physical object and all of that. And like for, as a surfer, you just love a surfboard. So yeah. rather than, a, you know, a grossly reduced sort of rate, um, a surfboard just seems to, you know, fit. fit I like better. that. I like <laughs> that idea. I think that's yeah. terrific. Okay. So you are an incredible designer and a letterer. So you really kind of uh, go with both. You do a ton of branding work. You live. So I already got the little uh, geography lesson right before everybody yep. came on. And it was that the Gold Coast is kind of like San Diego, um, south of maybe Los Angeles, which would be the capital. And um, Queensland is like the state or is the state, right? Like California. Yeah, that's right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he is in the Gold Coast. I always thought like the Gold Coast, like the West Coast, like I thought it was like a whole non-defined, but it really is. Yeah. Like, it's a yeah. city, so it's more defined. Yeah. Just, well, it started off like a, um, a tourist uh, town, you know, way back in the day and it's just become busier and busier and it's, it's grown into, I think, the fifth largest city Um behind i guess sydney melbourne brisbane um perth adelaide okay so what i'm up to i'm up to five um i'm forgetting something i don't know if canberra is before gold coast i guess it would be <laughs> canberra is the capital of australia of course but yeah in terms of population and size i think it's just behind canberra or before i'm not sure that's cool though so yeah. you're in this um in this beautiful place, you get to surf, you grew up here, um, and somehow you have managed, I mean, not somehow, you do incredible work, so I, it's not really a somehow, but you have, you, you. you have clients and you've worked with clients for many years that are yep. outside of Australia. And, um, and so I was like, oh, one in our earlier, early, earlier, when we talked in the summer, I think, or some other time, I can't remember when we first talked. Um, you also had a lot of clients that were not even English speaking, which I was like, wow, 
How do you do yeah, that? That's yeah. right. So, it's crazy. Go ahead. How okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that all started um, simply because I, I started publishing my work online during a quiet period, very quiet period. It, it was right after the GFC and all of a sudden my work dried up. Um, if I can backtrack just a little bit from there, um, it was when I just went out on my own um, freelancing and that coincide, coincided with the GFC and all of a sudden my client, the, the, the existing clients that I had, they worked dried up and I had, you know, I was pretty much invisible um, and I just thought, well, how am I going to start getting recognized? And so I started publishing my work online, sites like Behance back in the early days on, on Logo Pond and, and then, it, you know, Dribble came along and then I was heavily involved in that. And all of a sudden, one day I got this, um, uh, this phone call, not my phone call, sorry, an email from Istanbul, Turkey. And from there, like, yeah, people just started noticing my work in various countries. And yeah, some of them poor English and stuff like that. But you know, I'd have Skypes, these, you know, interesting Skypes. I'd be Skyping different parts of the world in the morning. And I guess just from making these presentations and being active on social media, it just sort of kept spreading. So which, because uh, I think it's different dribble, um, Instagram, Facebook or whatever, so, or Behance. So which yeah. ones were you posting on? Because you were just posting and you were posting, um, well, we'll get into that in a second. But which ones were you posting on? So right in the early days, um, it was Logo Pond because, you know, I specialized, I was specializing, trying to specialize in corporate identity and, and logo design. And so I would post all my logos there. Um, and there was a really good community um, around that time. And I was also posting on Behance. I got in early. I, don't, I hardly ever post to Behance now. And I just, um, I, I will get back into that. But um, yeah, I just started posting on those two websites and, and, and it just went from there. So when you were posting, um, photography, was that important? Was, um, was it important to have a really good kind of project brief? Were these made up things? Were these real clients? What kind of things were you doing? They were real clients. They were always real clients. But what I would do is I would over present, um, mm. you know, let's say a client had X budget. I'd, I'd, I'd go over, over that just so it looked good for sites like Behance and, you know, just putting in a lot of energy in um, showing the process mm. because that's what designers love seeing. They love seeing process and all of that, the thought and rationale behind each project, um, you know, gives you that, that insight that, you know, I guess adds value to, to what you do. And so I just, you know, I went to great lengths and trying to, um, you know, really put that out there. Uh, there wasn't, I mean, there was a few people doing it at the time, but not as many as what there are now. So I think that's what helped me then, you know, get those followers in the early days. Yeah. I think we're, we're going back quite a while now when I first started doing that, like probably eight or nine years ago. So, so then how often were you posting or, you know, how long would you turn? Would it be normal kind of like you would do all the process, get the client to okay at, or would you post before the client had okay when it was lots of comps? Uh, no, usually after the, the client had it okay, had okayed um, the project. Oh, look, in the early days, there may have been a few. Uh, there was a lot of unused concepts as well. Like back in the day, I used to present more than just one concept. And, and so, I, you know, I, I'd probably have two or three concepts there to sort of throw out there as well. In fact, it's probably good to jump on Logo Pond and see some of the old stuff because... I haven't been on there in a long time and I know if I was to go through there now, it would, it would get a massive cull, but it actually shows you sort of how far things have come along in say nine years in yeah. terms of, you know, the styles that I was, you know, doing back then. Well, uh, and I also think it's important because it gives people hope like, Hey, he gets better and he keeps refining. I think, um, I know, you know, Bob, um, so I feel like Bob did that with Instagram. He yeah. kind of started off kind of rough and he yeah. never deleted it. And I really, I really appreciate that. And I, I'm glad yeah. we, that will be one of our links in the, uh, in the show notes will be your logo yeah. pond. Um, Definitely. Instagram. That, that's completely true too. I haven't deleted anything from my Instagram. I haven't really curated in a fashion to just show my best work. If you go way back to the start, I think I was posting pictures of, my dog and, and my barbecuing 
like everyone in, in the early days with Instagram and then slowly but surely like little bits of like calligraphy and lettering started to creep in there and yeah, I, yeah, I, I should go and check it out myself because it's quite a hoot seeing, you know, just how far. Well, and I do. It is. It's really, do you keep your old, so that's another question and I know it wasn't one of our questions that I had, but yep. do you keep all your old sketchbooks or it looks like you're doing it on just regular pieces of paper sometimes. Do you just toss them or put them in the client file? And It's a great question, Diane. And what I, I keep everything and I use really expensive paper too. Um, I like use, what? Uh, what kind of paper are you using? Does it really make a difference? Like, I mean, I know with like when you're doing the watercolor stuff or ink, I would think it would make a difference, yeah. right? Well, I use Canson bleed proof paper. I guess you could use any brand, but it's bleed proof paper. And what it does is it preserves the, um, the, the tips of the pens. Mm. So if you're using something like Tombow's, they will last longer. You'll get the, that smoothness. They won't roughen up. And it's the same with, with quite a few brands actually. But, um, I use every square inch of that paper and, <laughs> and what I will do as well is once I've, you know, filled up a sheet, I've just discovered the backside of the paper is really good for certain pens. It gives a nice sort of waxy texture. Huh. Um, and so I use that for uh, some, of, some of the title work that I do. But then once I've done that, I might grab a, a colourful pen and go over the top of all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So even if I've done a beautiful refined, you know, logo, I'll end up drawing over it you know, just doing some freestyle stuff with some of the color. So I, and I keep every single sheet. And recently I was thinking I should do this ceremonious sort of bonfire to just get rid of it all because <laughs> it's piling up. I've got years and years of paper. And I had a client call me the other day asking, have I got um, process shots of a job I worked on two years ago? Because <laughs> someone is disputing that it might you know, look oh. too close to something else that's out there, which it doesn't. Um, I was freaking out when I first um, heard it and then they, they, they showed the example of it and, and, and it's, it, it's not, but it's just anyway. So I had to dig through all this, you know, um, paper and I thought this is going to take me days to go through, but I managed to sort of visualise, okay, two years ago should be about, you know. No way. So you just keep yeah. them in a pile? Yeah, it's yeah, it's in this big um, drawer at work in the office where I work. And <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. So you just thought about how many things you had done in two years, went yeah. back, and now you have it. Well, that's but that's, that's it. good to some extent, yeah, right? It is. So don't throw out your old stuff. You never know when you're when you're going to need it. Well, especially if somebody starts saying, hey, we created this and legally you having that process stuff. There was yeah. one process piece, and I don't know if I can pull it up. Um. I think it was for Blue Water. Um, let's see if I can pull. Yeah. Mm, let's see. Oh, boogers. Now, of course, I'm just clicking through and I can't find it. Um, but it was where I'm going to switch to this really quick. And I, Well, it, I'm not. I'm going to try to find it and then I'll get back to it. So it was part where you're covering over it and it looked like thin enough paper it was after you've done kind of the pencil underneath, yep. you have like a tracing paper where you're yep. doing your ink. Is that special paper or do you keep those even? What, the tracing paper? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah, I keep everything. Any, anything that I write on, I, I keep. I just whack it in that drawer. You know, mm. it's amazing how much, you can, how much paper you can fit in a drawer. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah, absolutely true. But it's, it is messy. Like it's not all, you know. Nice. Well, it's just, you know, you've got A4 bits, you've got A3 bits, you've got torn off bits, right? Yeah. But um, so I, I don't use tracing paper a lot. Every now and then I'll use it. The Canson, the, the bleed proof paper um, is quite transparent when you lay it over something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's right. So yeah, that, that was to try and get a perfect refined version of that logo sometimes i do that sometimes i call that overindulging when i do that mm-hmm. um if i've got the time and i want to sometimes i can just go straight to the vector stage from from the uh the sheet of paper where, right. where you've got the blue blue version um beneath but um for this client i really wanted to i really wanted to indulge in the process and so um yeah i did quite a few variations of that in, in the same sort of style and composition, I use different mediums. Like um, I think there's one shot of me using actually blue water. Yeah, absolutely. 
the client's me, name is Blue Water, I decided to um, drop some blue ink in some water and, and, and do that because I thought they'd get off on that process. Yeah, I love that. And then you're also, this is, um, I think you can see this now, right? Yeah. Um, so this is just one of the process shots. And I think there's another one that has a ton of the process shots in it, but I don't know what I, where I saved that one too. Nope. Oh yeah. It has a heap of the different sort it, of. Yeah, it was concept. a whole, yeah. whole ton of them. I'm going to have to keep looking. So, um, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll keep looking and flip back, but it's not like you're just doing it once and just turning. You really do. And I love that you show kind of, Hey, it took me, you think this is a lot. There's a ton of sheets yeah. you're not even seeing. Yeah. Right. So I'll go in strong with one concept um, to present to a client. And often I don't even show um, the other examples. I mean, I think over the years I've been able to identify what, what's the right fit. Um, you know, especially if you're briefed well, I, you know, I, I, I get it in my head. Okay. This is what's going to answer the brief. There's no point showing um, other concepts. This is the perfect one. And then I'll go to town and the time that I save not bothering about executing um, the, the weaker concepts, I put into presenting that concept in the best light. So, I'll, you know, I'll go to town in the presentation and, and, and just do that. But sometimes, I, you know, my process does change all the time. Sometimes the idea comes to me straight away. I can visualize exactly what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And then I don't even bother with, you know, entertaining other concepts. So I'll just work on one concept and just, you know, um, pin my ears back on that. And so you won't see, you know, um, pages and pages of ideas. So it, it really depends. Uh, you know, if I get that light bulb moment or I, 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 I really know the style that's going to work for that client, then sometimes I'll just do it in one go. So when you're, uh, let me get back to, so let, uh, back to acquiring these clients. Cause I think yep. this is like, it's magic and we all would like this, but I think there are some challenges, especially when you're working with somebody who doesn't speak English um, yep. at, or doesn't maybe speak English as uh, their first language. So I'm sure yep. there's some communication errors in, or not errors. Well, I'm sure maybe some errors, yeah. but you had told me. Communication breakdowns for sure. Exactly. So I had asked you when we talked in the summer, whenever we, talked um you said i asked how what percentage of clients do you have outside of australia do you remember yeah you yeah. An idea? So, yeah um it's probably around 80 percent clients are from overseas and 20 percent are around australia and then i guess of that 20 percent probably five percent or ten percent i guess is local but yeah, look, look there, have been, there have been times when it's been like 90% overseas. Um, I'm working on a few job, local jobs at the moment, so that's shifted it to 20%. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's roughly about what it is. And of that 80%, a lot come from America. So um, obviously the channels in which I'm posting, obviously, uh, you know, Dribble and Behance, uh, uh, you know, I think founded in America and stuff. So maybe, it, you know, there's, there's, there's more um, exposure Right. You know, you know, in America. So yeah, that's roughly the breakdown. All right. So then these people just, you are just posting, people are finding you loving what you're doing and then contacting you because you have that either, either through dribble or where if it was logo pond or Behance, you have your email and people are reaching out to you. Correct. That's correct. It's, it's these days it's only really dribble and uh, I guess Instagram, but a, a lot through my website. So uh, it's hard for me to, I haven't actually worked out what channels they're coming through to get to my website, but um, yeah, I, I'd pro- if I was to use percentages, I'd probably say 70% through my website and then a split of uh, Dribble and Behance. Do you have that hire me thing turned on on, B- on Dribble? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> Just wondering. <laughs> Little. So yeah. I would think managing all that, and this was a question, you know, like, how early are you getting up and how, how do you manage time difference? Cause right now it's Wednesday for you and for us, it's still Tuesday. So in the future, (laughs) you are in my future for sure. So how do you manage that? Because deadlines can be crazy. I would think. I actually really like it because generally speaking, you know, emails might come to me through the night and you know, all through the day, there's, there's quite a bit of an overlap on the west coast of America, and then Europe right. gets quite a lot of overlap in the afternoon. So I, I still get a lot of emails and, and, and Asia throughout the day as well. 
but um, it's it's usually fine because people will send their emails and they'll go to bed and then I'm working maybe perhaps on that project. So when they wake up, they get to see it. Right. So, so it know, works I, out. So I, I get to manage my time. I'm up super early in the morning. Like I think this morning I was up at 4.30 because um, I was going surfing and uh, for one reason or not, I didn't end up going surfing. But, um, you know, it's, I'm just a morning guy. So I'll, I'll get up super early and more often than not, I'll, you know, I'll go for my surf and then, you know, I'll, I'll be checking emails perhaps before I get to the surf or while I'm checking the surf and, and whatnot. If there's something urgent, I'll sort of, you know, um, I'll action it. But um, yeah, clients are really cool like that. And because they're projects that take time, right. it's not like I've got like immediate deadlines. Right. Right. Although I've oh. got a few top deadlines at the moment that are just like, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you would like to be it to be Tuesday again? <laughs> I think because we're getting to the end of the year, like there's yeah. this urgency to get things done. And so I'm, I've, I've had a couple of clients drop these crazy deadlines where they need a, an identity within a, a few days. I'm like, okay. And because I'm self-employed, I always say yes. But I think then, and then I question whether I can actually physically get it done later. Right. I always do. But you know, <laughs> but you get it done. So, but it, I get it done. so managing that seems to not be a problem. You kind of like you feed off of that kind of energy, yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. Um, let's see. So what are some of, does anybody like me? So I think you're 15 hours ahead of me. So it's five 30 yeah. where I am when we started and it was eight 30 in the morning where Correct. you are so that really it was, worked it was crazy time in my house right before um we chatted it was school time school getting out the door with the kids and stuff like that <laughs> so i went from that to straight into this <laughs> so but so is there do you have other clients that want to see you i so with every inquiry i um instigate a skype chat it's it's paramount for me to have FaceTime with mm. every single client that reaches out to me. Um, one, I like to just sort of communicate, meet these people. I like them to see and chat to me just to see, you know, to make it real. Um, and, you know, to make sure it's not a bogus inquiry as well. Because, you know, mm. if, if a client's not willing to have a Skype chat and do the FaceTime, then how they, you know, they're not, it's not real. You know, they, they, they I can't expect them to sort of, go to the next stage are you really good at time zones or do you have to google it <laughs> I'm, that's a I'm crazy question I, maybe i can usually guess it sort of within an, a couple of hours you know hmm. that's i know good. it's really like I, I know it's really it's getting late on the east coast of america but it's in the afternoon sort of on right. the west coast right and then i just sort of you know visualize I'm, I'm pretty good at geography so i just i do this sort of visualization thing like the the two years down in the stack, so you're you're good with time and space. I think. I think. Well, yeah. Clearly, <laughs> if you can do that, I think that's yeah. a superpower you didn't know you had. Yeah. Cool. So, um, working for yourself can be um, just be a series of chaotic and crazy deadlines, right? And yeah, I think it, you absolutely. have the the curse of an entrepreneur where you have things that you want to do. And then you yeah. also have things that you say yes to. And I'm very similar. Yeah. I, I don't say no, probably enough. Yeah. Um, because it's always, Oh, well, you don't ever know when that really lean time is coming. And I think that that's, that's exactly right. So me and you have talked about this before yeah. that it doesn't matter how successful you are, there will yeah. be lean times. And I think it's really yeah. important to, tell everybody that everybody has this. It's not like you're just like, yeah, another one's coming, you know? I mean, yeah. you have to keep marketing. You have to keep doing some. So, yeah, absolutely. So how do you juggle between these, these lean times and these crazy busy times? Cause this is, yeah. this is a, a issue for a lot of people and it causes yeah. a lot of stress. I wouldn't say I'm the best at it. Um, so basically generally speaking, um, Coming into Christmas and coming out of Christmas are the quiet times. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden jobs start dropping and around sort of whether it's February or March, sometimes it can be earlier, sometimes it can be later. Um, and then for me, uh, they just, they, I, I don't know when, they, when they're going to drop or anything like that, but they do drop and they just seem to be consistent until you get to that end of the year part again. 
Um, I have had busy years where it's gone all the way through, just where there's just a slight dip through the Christmas period. And then I've had years where I've had the busiest middle part of the year, which has been the best year that I've ever had, bookended by the two quietest. So um, I think those quiet periods, you've got to keep yourself busy. Perhaps that's when, see, I've, I've, I've been really slack at posting on social media and keeping, because during the busy periods, I, 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 I don't have the time, as much time and energy to sort of compose these lovely um, posts through Instagram and whatnot. But um, then I seem to post a lot more during those quiet periods and perhaps that has a follow-on effect. Um, I don't know if it's a chasing tail sort of situation that when you're busy because you're not posting that um, presents the quiet period in, in the future and then you start, yeah, posting then you get busy again. But uh, um, I, I think personal projects, there's, there's been quite a few personal projects that I've worked on during those quiet periods um, and, and they kind of change every year. I sort of set myself new personal projects every year that I, that I want to um, indulge in and I do that through some of the quiet periods and from that, from that you, you get material as well to then post etc like I've built fonts um, uh, I wanted to get into murals one year uh, illustration was the thing that I started even though that really wasn't something that I could see as helping that much for what I what I what I do with the corporate identity and the lettering mm -hmm. and stuff well I guess it can go hand in hand with murals and stuff like that but at the start of the year I just all of a sudden I wanted to draw waves and I wanted to touch base with illustrating not just letter forms but things and I thought I'll start drawing waves and I really enjoyed that and that was fantastic so I did a fair bit of that at the start of the year so I think just following you know doing those passion projects when you're you know quiet um, and mm -hmm. providing you've got enough money saved in the kitty to, to get you through those quiet periods um, and then start pulling your hair out when that starts to <laughs> get a bit lean um, and then you've got to get a bit more proactive with actually what your core business is and and yeah start putting yourself out there again so uh, let's talk about one of those lean pro time projects, which yeah. is Dissimo, and I'm going to pull this up. And so I'm just, one of the things, okay, you know i huge fan, love your work. So then one of the things that I love is you really have a lot of styles. Like you're not just pigeonholed into one thing. And yeah. the other thing I love is that you really write well and you are. And so I think, you know, when, if you get a lot of stuff from, or a lot of business coming in, which would really, really be a simple, like Google, you know, putting that little tracker code thing in, yeah, um, yeah. but you have a, a ton of uh, writing and you're writing about this in which, you know, Google requires 300 words for it to show up in search engines. And I think yeah. you really use, you use this to your advantage. Oh, thank you. That's really kind of you to say that. And, and I'm, 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 writing doesn't come naturally to me. I have to work on it. Like I have to, like when I'm just blurting out words, it's, it's a mess. <laughs> it really is a mess. So when I'm writing something for a page like this, I have to sort of blurt it all down and then just sort of refine it and make sure I'm not tying my sentence up sentence ups in, in knots. I, I right. have a tendency to tie my sentences in knots. <laughs> um, but yeah, so thank you. I'm, I'm stoked to hear that. But I think but, that it's, it's something that a lot of times people are like, oh, well, just imagery will do it. But I think you're, you know, this helps um, someone to be able to translate it into their yeah. language um, and then they can read it as, you know, as best possible. But I think, I think um, from hand lettering to making a typeface like Dissimo, which I yeah. use, I love, I bought it and Thank it's you. very affordable people. Uh, so you guys should check it out. But I think you're so, the second person that bought it. High fives. <laughs> <laughs> so, but this, it's great. Like I used it when I, if anybody was here during my beaver talk, I used Dissimo. So that was my main typeface and it's a very flexible face. So this was a lean time project that you yep. had um, done. And I love um, how the name comes, right? You said it was born from the imagination of your daughter and it means yep. kind person. I think that's She used great. to call me Dissimo. She hasn't in ages. <laughs> no, she, that, that, we've got so many pet names in our house that we call and we go through phases with all of them. But yeah, but Dissimo, and I said, what does Dissimo mean? And she, she said it means kind person. And I just thought, oh, that's beautiful. You know, it is. It, so, yeah. And it's also like a mountain range or something in Italy, right? 
Or that's right. Yes, it is. I, so right. I googled Dissimo, and it is. It's a beautiful little village somewhere um, in Italy. So yeah, there you go. It has a duality. So, but was this something that you had done before is, so were you learning glyphs or were you learning, you know, this is kind of a big project to make oh, a, a typeface. Huge, huge project. Okay. So it all started, I'll, I'll try and give you a condensed um, version of it because it, it, it's a big project has got a lot of explaining, but it, I, because I design logo types, pretty much all the logos that I design um, the logo types for, I like to design the typeface. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes up and I designed this one logo ages ago um, for a client that was called unique spelled U-N-I-I-K and I like the letter forms I thought okay it's kind of like a funky looking serif thing here and I decided to um, create the rest of the letters blindfolded um, not literally but, but without referencing any other <laughs> um, without reference you imagine that just blindfolded right <laughs> You are way more talented than I gave you credit yeah, for. Yeah, <laughs> that's that visualization thing coming in again. But um, yeah, so I, I just didn't want to reference any other uh, fonts. So I started uh, creating all the letters without looking at anything else. Um, and I just wanted to see what a lifetime of, uh, of you know, looking at letters um, had left an imprint. Um, so I created this, my first font, which was called Newbie. And it's for free on my website um, and it's had stacks of downloads. But straight after that, I was on this high of creating a font and, and I went straight into Dissimo, uh, which again was another logo type, but, um, you know, different letters. And I mean, Dissimo is a reflection of, I guess, my knowledge of creating typefaces probably about five years ago, maybe even longer. But it took me three years to create um, on and off. I might have, I, I went through periods where for six months I didn't even, you know, work on it. So it's, uh, you know, when I say three years, it didn't take three years. Right, <laughs> was, right, right. You know, <laughs> well, blindfolded, it might have taken you three yeah. years, right? Well, <laughs> my, once I created Newbie, that was the one that I wanted to do sort of without referencing anything. And of course, once I had finished it, once I had created all the glyphs, I then referenced, um, you know, popular fonts like Helvetica and Times to work out why certain letters weren't looking like, you know, for example, the C, I thought the C would have been the easiest letter to design. It's just an O with a big cut off, but it's not <laughs> top, like, it looks so funky. And I'm thinking, why doesn't it look right? Um, and it's because you've got to push out um, the top terminal and that push in a little bit and push out here and there just on those terminals to get that, you know, um, that optical balance. And so, you know, and, and at the start, I think I had my cap letters higher than my ascenders, which, wrong and then I'm like oh, okay then you know, <laughs> heights are lower right okay that makes sense um so this that's is, that's what I went through and refined it that's newbie that's right so I, this I mean, is, was so Dissimo is used as a lot of kind of the small text that goes with a bigger script or hand lettered kind of yeah. um, thing so I wanted to create a slab serif yeah that's right that accompanied well originally it was just a standalone uh, logo type in fact it was called Museology back then um, and if you go through the, the Dissimo presentation, I think there's an example of it. And that was a clothing label brand. Mm. And I created just a, a slab serif font for that. And then I thought, okay, well, this is another, this is another logo type that I could expand. But this time, instead of just doing one weight, which was newbie, um, newbie wasn't flexible enough because there's no italic or bold or anything mm-hmm. like that. You kind of need, because it wasn't a display font, you need that, um, that family to, to make it marketable. I thought um, I'll, I'll create four weights and four and their respective italic partners. And oh my gosh, geez, I wish I had have just st- stuck to maybe two of it. <laughs> but that's why it's so great it, because it yeah, is flexible you and it, you yeah. show it in body text, you show, which you really sell it really well. So I think your preview images are also really strong, yeah. but here's the, the, in the context. So here's museology. It's the brewery part of black hops. Yeah. Military one source and the raising aloha in the aloha knots. Oh, I don't know. That's really hard to read. I should have put some breaks in that, but um, because it's a made up word, it, yeah, it is really, it's like uh, the word um, minimum. (laughs) You sort of get lost in the ups and downs. You do. Yeah. Yeah. But look, do you know what? There's also this self, like with um, Black Hops and Aloha Noughts, um, when it's all you, like 
with Black Ops brands, um, they use that for their marketing and advertising and all of that. Yeah, it's 100% you and it kind of feels good when, that, when you do that, especially when you're really proud of how a brand's looking. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of get a kick out of that. I need to create more. There's that time <laughs> thing though. I need a quiet period to start my next project. But but so um, you have so you have some passive income abilities right on your website. You have a print that you have for sale, and then you have these two fonts, right? Yep. Um, okay, so somebody had a question. Jeremy had a question way earlier. Um, when you're sketching, are you a tiny sketcher? I thought at first you said drawer, but you meant yep. a drawer. Or do you tend to doodle on a larger scale? Because I think with like the brush, uh, the water brush, you kind of have yep. to go bigger because of the yep. actual bristles. It depends on what medium I'm using. Like I've got a few go-to pens, a few favorite pens where uh, look, probably 80% of the posts you see online, I've, I've used those pens and it's quite small scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I'm using a Tombow or I want to do a fast flicky style, I'll go big. Like I love going big. And so you really chew through the, uh, the, the bleed proof paper, the expensive paper when you're doing that. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I go both. So it depends on the process and the pen that I'm using for it. And so it's also good to know, good to share with everybody that you are a lefty, right? Yes. Cause it poses right. a whole nother right. yeah. sense of challenges, I think, yeah. but clearly you have, um, overcome any challenges that a left-handed person would uh, I don't know any different it's it's what I've always done but it, and I, but you have to kind of hold your hand differently so that it's not smearing because if you're with a regular pen because you're not just doing pens I mean you'll use ink you'll use water yeah. watercolors yeah. so you're 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 not just controlling the tools you're actually controlling your arm and your yeah. body in a way yeah. when when you're creating these things so that you don't get these smears yeah, that's right. But um, even back at school and learning how to write, I always had that over-the-top um, approach. So it's not like I've had to learn how to adjust to go like that. It's, it's just naturally been that way for me. Uh, you've got a lot of left-handers that come from underneath. They're, they're the ones that have the troubles, you know, because they're the, the side of their hands go, drifting through the ink. So that, they're, they're the ones that typically have the smudging problem and the ones that typically you see will angle their paper and, and have to, you know, adjust. Um, so, cause I've taught quite a few workshops and there's usually one or two people that are lefties and um, it's always much trickier teaching them to, uh, you know, the approach. Cause not only that, um, if I, when you're over the top, okay, if, if you're using a chisel tip, it's at the exact same angle um, as, as a righty that's from underneath, if that makes sense like that. So if mm-hmm. they're an underneath, you can imagine the chisel tips are like that. So mm-hmm. it gives them different, um, uh, term, you know, junctions and, you know, terminal mm-hmm. shapes and stuff like that. But when it's like that, when you're over the top, it's the same. So you've got this same sort of. So you can mimic that same exactly. um, natural look, I guess, yeah. that a right-handed, not that right-handed people are better. Like, yeah, well, it's, it's just it's a, more of a challenge to do it left-handed, I think. Yeah. Because there's not guides. There's tons of guides. I mean, you know, you had to write like that for the, your whole life. It's normal yeah. to you. But it, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. So the, the only real difference is where I'm pulling, uh, a righty is pushing, etc., and stuff like that. Um, and that does give a few different results. Sometimes if I, if I get a certain result um, that I think, oh, and that helps me for some letters, where and I've had righties say, oh, I wish I was a lefty so I could get that result with my mm. R's or M's or, or something like, you know, um, but yeah. So no. Carol Ann, she's one of my students, but she lives on the West Coast. Um, she said, can you redesign the rest of the U.S. military, please? Ha ha. It, the, uh, the thing you had with the, with the wings yeah. coming in. I love that. It is beautiful. That's an unu- I must point out that's an unused concept. Um, so that didn't go forward. So that was uh, done for an agency over in the States that was, um, uh, pitching something in there. So anyway, yeah, no, that's so it's beautiful. Like, oh, do that. Yeah. Bring it up. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, Colin, and I don't know, I think, I don't know if Colin's are, I think Colin's are right. Is, is it Colin I don't know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so he said, no, we're better. Um, uh, he's a good friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> G'day, Colin. Stoked to hear that you're watching. 
<laughs> so, so, all right. So uh, we'll get back. Now <laughs> we're on number three um, and we have 15 minutes left. So what are, <laughs> you've oh, told really? us some of the side projects. So what yep. kind of, um, w when illustration was on that list, what were you doing yeah. um, illustratively? I was drawing waves at that time. Okay. Um, I was kind of thinking, what can I draw? And obviously I'm passionate about the ocean and stuff like that. So I started drawing waves and I was following a couple of guys that uh, illustrated waves and I just, yeah, it was, it was what I was getting a kick out of. And so I just tried to do it my way and I'd been drawing waves since I was a little, you know, since I started surfing. I mean, that's all my folders at school were just filled with waves. So I thought, okay, that's how I used to draw it back then. Um, let's, let's, you know, Let's turbocharge it a little. So I, I got into it and um, yeah, I, I'm going to get back into it too. I've been saving pictures of waves on Instagram because I follow a whole heap of, you know, surfing accounts and stuff like that. And I can't wait to get back into that. And I want to go large scale with it too. Right. So I want to show, I don't know if these are the ones you're talking about, but these are wicked cool and absolutely beautiful. So I want to just give people um are these the waves you're talking about? Yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, there's a few nice color ones there, but they're they're um, that's them. That they were the last couple that I drew. So I can't find them quick enough. So all right, so oh, I want to scroll down. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's scroll right. down. No, oh, no, I I can scroll down. Hang on, let me share my screen again. It's all these clicks, you know. Yeah. So if you scroll down a little bit further. Oh, these ones. Oh, yeah. I, I, if you go just a little bit further, there's one that I'm quite happy with, which is my favorite. Uh, it's that one on the right there, the far this right. One? Yeah, that this, one there. The, the one the with one color? Yeah, top right, yeah, that's it. They're beautiful. Like, the detail is amazing. Yeah, there's something about, I, I love sort of indulging in those things that kind of take a long time to do. Um, and, you know, drawing all those little lines, you've, you've really got to focus. And I guess it's meditative, um, mm -hmm. you know, drawing like that. So, you know, you, you have to have that concentration to get through it. And, you know, when the results come together, it's, yeah. So will you draw this in pencil, even all the little lines, and then go back in pen? Or will you just <laughs> kind of get the main big ones and then go back? Yeah. Okay, so pencil for everything. Um, all those little lines... I might just do a few mm -hmm. to to map it out, and then um, and then yeah, because you can you can do some a wrong if you do one line wrong, it sort of throws out the flow, mm -hmm. and it has a follow on effect, and you've got to try and correct it back into place, and yeah, so and and more often than not, not one of them are touching as well, which is also challenging. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of like skill and just hand skills of being really steady, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't drink a lot of caffeine, I guess. I love my caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I don't know if you can see, but I've got a coffee right here. So one of the things that I love, and I'm just going to go ahead and flip to it, is when we talked before, the Black Hops uh, project, I think, is great. So one, it's that you're always also thinking about a client. So you're not just yep. like, oh, let's blow it out of the water, do as much money, you know, spend as much. They really came to you with a budget. And this is also a really fun challenge, I think, for a lot of yep. times people, or for me as a designer, and yep. um, to make, you know, there was a, a particular um, budgetary challenge on this one. Can you tell them about it? Um, yeah, sure. So Black Ops came to me and uh, I was super stoked because it was the first time um, a, a brewery, a craft brewer um, came to me with a job. And that's kind of like a passion project for me. Like, you know, there's, there's something about alcohol branding that uh, a lot of work goes, you know, into, you know, the overall aesthetic. It's, it's a great um, uh, canvas to really sort of do some mm. creative um, work. And so when they came to me, um, you know, they had a budget, but look, if, it, if there's one bit of advice that I can give anyone, especially starting out, um, that wants to get into it is what you put for, put forward is going to end up on your website. Mm. So yeah, sure. Sometimes you have to consider a budget, right? Cause you've got to consider other projects and all that. But if you can, um, over deliver, it's going to, it's going to, I've, I've received so many inquiries now from brewers that uh, are interested in my work because of this. And so I, I went to town on this project and, and uh, I just had a lot of fun creating it. It, it, it was, 
it, it was one of those jobs. It didn't, it very nearly didn't go this way. Um, but then luckily in the end it did because I came up, I, I had to come up with another concept um, mm-hmm. that wasn't as scripty. Um, and, but then the, the you know, the, the, the boys, um, fell in love with that, you know, um, I got them over the line with my presentation and, and, and so that's been their logo, but yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. Like it's, it, sorry, my point was, it was one of those, um, projects where you've got a, a vision of how you want it to look. And sometimes these things can get watered down through the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but this turned out exactly how I wanted it to. So I can't tell you, like, when I'm holding one of those cans in my hand, oh, man, it makes it taste 10% better easily. So, and it's a real beer too. <laughs> so one of the things with this project was they said, you know, as you, as you look at the bottles, so the bottles yeah. really, it looks like a three-color label, right? It's like there's yeah. that gray or silver that's in yeah. the logo, um, black, and then the color that's on yeah. the band. But these are not printing on the bottle, right? So the the challenge with the cans was that you had these, they couldn't print that many colors on that many cans because it is a brewery. And so you're yeah. thinking about, uh, there are other challenges when you're talking about a smaller client. Exactly. So, okay, they've got a core range of about 12 beers. And obviously some are more marketable than others. Like some of the, you know, appeal to, you know, beer drinkers more than others. Like, you know, you've got your diehards that love, like certain specific like stouts or IPAs and stuff like that. But the, the numbers that they're going to push more of are, you know, beers like the Pale Ale and stuff like that. But they obviously want to be able to um, can all of their beers in different sort of quantities. Um, mm-hmm. And when you're um, printing on cans, you've got to do it in bulk, like huge numbers. So rather than have um, a whole heap of uh, cans for, say, an IPA or stout that doesn't sell nearly as much as, say, what the pale ale, um, we came up with with this idea to um, print a generic can and then Mm -hmm. put a sticker over the can, um, which, uh, sub you know, that represents each core range beer. Um, And so obviously that was a a challenge in working out how to do that. But... uh, it's turned out really well. I, but I, I love yeah. that. I, I love that because then it, again, makes it so it's, um, you sa- you've solved a design challenge as well as uh, um, a budgetary challenge for, for them in being able to produce because there are some um, flavors, I don't know another way to call it, um, that are going to be more popular. So how would they know how many yeah, labels to so- print? Exactly. So yeah, it, it's, it's really worked out well for them. And, and yeah, I love them as a client. It's great. I, they're a bunch of great guys and um, I, I go down to their, their tasting room just there. That's me designing, uh, painting the, the sign. Um, so this is one of the murals that you had. This was- yeah, that's their tap room. And that was the very first time I, saw, I went large scale and, you know, yeah, it was I projected it on a wall and it was pretty easy to do in that sense because all the hard work was done when I came up with the logo that, um, uh, and I used Posca pens. That was pretty easy. So they've moved away from bottles now and it's just cans and yeah, no, so that was a fun project and I, and I love corporate identity work because, you know, a, a logo will fall flat on its face if it's not presented well. Mm. Um, and a lot of people know this, so I'm, you know, but you've got to design, you know, obviously the corporate color palettes, the typefaces that you use, the graphical structures, the, the topography decisions that you make and things like patterns and icons and all of that, all that sort of stuff has to come together. So whenever I get a client, I'm, I'm always pushing to go for those presentations that look at that from the start. Because if you just design a logo on its own, a client pegs too much on the logo. Mm. They're trying to visualize this brand, but they're only seeing the logo. And so they, you know, they can't visualize it as well. So, you know, I, I create some very simple logo types um, sometimes, but they come to life when you see it in context with everything else that supports the logo. Um, well, and these logos are responsive. So some of them, you know, this is how it's used in one way. This is how it's used stacked. This is how it's used straight across. And Correct. I think yeah. if, you, if you aren't doing this responsive, it is, it does make this much more a, a living, breathing thing that's going to be flexible for them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it doesn't work for every client, but for a lot of clients, I, I present logo suites. Um, and that will be just different lockups, um, extracting maybe a monogram out of, a, you know, a mark or something, you know, so mm-hmm. it works on small 
scale and stuff like that. And if you've got this logo suite, it just, it gives you all those assets moving forward because, you know, again, if, if, if a client just wants a logo and then all of a sudden they're like, you know, they're doing their little Facebook icon, they're like, ah, oh, this doesn't work. And oh, of course it doesn't because there's, you know, you've got a lot of letters in your name and whatnot and you've got to get it down. So you need to be able to think about those things. Absolutely. You know, from, from the start. So, you know, it's, it's a big picture service, um, you know, when you, that I'm, you know, that I'm trying to get from clients, obviously. Absolutely. So you're getting a lots of comments, Victoria. I'm glad you're here too. Um, so, um, Jeremy said North uh, Charlotte, North Carolina is bloom, booming with craft breweries and people are looking to start them. Lots of business to be had here. And regime said, who was your, insp- who was your inspiration on your style? So where do you go for inspiration? Okay. Um, all right. So, I mean, I guess being active on social media, you follow people and you just surround yourself with, um, you know, talented designers. Uh, if I, t- if I go right back to the beginning, um, what, what the, the one designer that really made me think, Oh, geez, I'd love to be able to do that. I love the way he, he approaches his letter forms. Uh, it was Sergey Shapiro. He, mm. he, I, I was just so fascinated with the energy that he could infuse into his letter forms. Mm-hmm. And I used to just eyeball his work and just go, well, one day I, you know, because I'd always in the past, I'd drawn some, you know, hand-lettered logos and stuff like that. But it was right around that social media boom and I was just seeing how other people were approaching things. And I think it was his work that, that, that made me want to sort of take it to the next level and, and see what I could bring to the table. So Carol Ann asked a question, and I think this is a really good question um, and something I need to probably work on as well. So I think you could sell, teach people how to sell, how to kind of make that pitch um, and get yep. them on board because now you're really only doing one concept and you're showing them part of the process. And I think mm-hmm. bringing them into the process early on or in, at least in the pitch um, allows yep. them to feel like they're part of these decisions. And I don't know where you bring – do you – Show people part the of these? No, part. see, that's another thing. Um, I don't like client involvement through the process at the start. Sometimes, like, you know, every job's different. Sometimes I do engage the client. I might give them a reverse brief or I might say, hey, look, you know, this mm. is where I, I'm thinking of going. If I think that um, I, they need to see these things first or if, if, if it's going to be a very time-consuming sort of uh, indulgement on my behalf going down a certain style. I, I, I want to make sure, just test the waters. Having said that, though, more often than not, the first time a client will see the concept is after I've put in a lot of work. Mm. Now, the reason why I do that, when you show a client concepts, especially sketches or something you know, right. like that, my sketches might not look just picture perfect at the start. They start thinking, oh, what else you got? Because they can't right. see how that's visually going to look down the track once you apply all those extra assets and colours mm-hmm. and, you know, the, 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 the structure in which you lay things out and all of that. You know, you build, the, you build the presentations up so they look at it at the start and they go, okay, where's this going? It's okay. Sometimes I've had clients go, I didn't think much about the logo at the start, but then once I got to the end of the presentation, I absolutely loved it. Right. Right. So if you introduce the client at the start, when you do only have like a logo or a sketch, you are just asking for trouble because you can then get into this sort of client mm. design battle where they're not trusting your instincts. Right. They have to see the final result. And more often than not, you get it over the line with these presentations. There are going to be times when you don't. But the time that you save for not doing all these other, you know, concepts, you know, you just end up going, okay, well, if you give me good constructive feedback as to why this, this concept isn't ticking the box, perhaps I missed something in the value or I I weighted something too much towards one value and not the other. Sometimes colors can just completely throw off a, off, off a design. If they give good constructive feedback at that point, if I'm doing my job right, I should be able to steer it into the right path for the next mm-hmm. go round. And I kind of back myself to be able to do that. So that's why I don't, that's why I back myself with one concept first. And I don't offer, I don't say, well, you only have th- three iterations to, you know, because mm. 
I think that can sort of put a bit of pressure on a client. I mean, obviously they can't take advantage of it, but um, yeah, I, we've all got different processes and it's, that's just worked for me. So Carolyn asked, if you do multiple logos for a client, which I know maybe you used to do early on and now you don't yeah. do, which I'm side note, I think you could teach people how to make pitches. Um, yeah. And they choose uh, the one that's not your favorite. Do you add that one, the client picked to your portfolio or do you add the one that you're most proud of? Um, I usually won't show a client anything I wouldn't put on mm -hmm. my website or on social media, stuff like that. So I, I do put a lot of unused concepts out there. Um, and then I might put, put the used concept as well. But yeah, like I said, I, 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 have, I haven't presented three concepts for you many know. years now. Right, right. So, but so then I, there, are, there have been some times where I have um, gone in strong with one concept and then we've drastically had to change the direction for the next concept, in which case I have showed both concepts online. I realize how dark it is, so I'm going to turn my little lamp on. Oh, that's better. Now I'm go. not in total dark. All right, so a couple more questions, and we're just going to have to do a part two, if that's okay with you, because we part two's got great. through. We didn't even go to my presentation. <laughs> so, so, um, well, so I want to ask a couple other questions. So, sure. one, and maybe we can do a part two. We'll schedule it before the end of the year or something, if yep. we can no work worries. it out. Um, I know. Sorry. Um, all right, so I wanted to show them some of the other, because there really is a wide range of things that you do. Um, yep. I know uh, Jeremy said he's a fan of Troy Savan or Sivan, yep. or I don't know how to say the guy's Troy name. Troy Savan, yeah. Savan. He's an Australian okay. um, musician that's, uh, I think he's got another album coming out soon, but, but, but yep, like, I'll let you go. From this to this is so different. And then mm -hmm. even this project, which I think is a yeah. beautiful, um, a beautiful project and very graphic. Some of the, um, that is a perfect example of you need to go through the presentation to appreciate what it is. Right. If I had have just shown that logo mark on its own, 100% the client would have gone, what else you got? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but when you go through the presentation, you get to understand what it is. And right. if you read through it, then yeah, it definitely makes sense. Well, and this one is just beautiful. This, the pattern that you're using yeah. is just incredible. Yeah. That, that was a really lucky find with that pattern too, because um, I won't go into it too much, but when, when, when it is gridded like that, all those lines actually flow through to the next circular module. Like it's, yeah. That's awesome. And I mean, but from this, which looks much tighter, you know, it's much yeah. more, um, graphic as uh, then hand done that shows your uh, flexibility. And then, you yeah. know, there's the Cavalier really has a ton of, um, it has the, the shield kind of thing, which I will have yeah. to scroll and try to find it. But I think that's one of your, that was uh, up higher. Uh, one of your event here it is. Um, oh, well, uh, I was actually th thinking about this one because this yeah. one, Oh, the, this is like a hotel or something, right? It's actually a pub in oh. Adelaide. Uh, well, it is, it's, it, sorry, well, uh, it is a hotel. It says hotel there, <laughs> but it's also a pub. Um, and they do a lot of craft beer, and um, it's, it's a really lovely uh, um, establishment. And there's, there's, some, there's these other challenges, which you actually really enjoy doing, kind of having this more detailed kind of work. And this is a very yeah. flexible logo. And this is yeah. one of the promos that I did. I love how... You have this, and then you did the E of L. I just think that was such a yeah. fun kind of... Um, so if you scroll down, you'll see what I mean by a logo suite. And to touch base on, I guess, different styles. I mean, so I've been specializing in corporate identity for, for a long time now. And before I discovered lettering, um, you know, it, it's, it's my job as someone that specializes in corporate identity to be flexible to any sort of brief that comes through. So... I mean, I can be working on a lawyer's logo or a financial logo, which, you know, obviously I'm not going to do a lettering or calligraphy style <laughs> logo for. Um, it just seems to be that calligraphy and lettering has come to the forefront in the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, before then, I, you know, and, and still to this day, I love doing badges and emblems and crests and stuff like that. There's a real challenge in, um, in executing this style of logo um, so this is how the, the client would have presented it. What you're going through 
um, sorry, not how the client would have presented, how I would have presented it to the client. This is how they would have seen it for the first time. Um, and so I go out on a limb. I really do because there's a bit of work that goes into, um, you know, putting it together like this. But over the, over the years, I've, I've got it down to a fine art. Um, but, yeah, so I, I, I love doing this sort of – I love detail stuff. I, I mean, I'd like to do more traditional um, emblems and, 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 and vintage style um, crests and stuff like that, but they don't come along all that often. Well, so, even the patterns, I mean, it seems like that's something that you enjoy. You are really good at as taking this and then again, showing them, Hey, this could go. You. I mean, you can have sheets that were like this or the, yeah. the covers of the duvet or, I mean, this seems thing. You don't have to go to, I mean, that's a very basic pattern. Right. Um, because it's got a very complicated logo. So it, it only needed something very simple. Right. And so you can balance those things. Um, but patterns are a huge asset to a client and, and depending, you know, they can be used on websites. They can be used on brochures in different formats. They can be a blind, you know, spot varnish or something like that that goes over business cards. It just adds that extra dimension uh, to it. So, you know, it's something that I like to, you know, add into my presentations. Yeah. To give them more depth. For sure. All right. Well, so I guess we're going to have to do your presentation the next time. Um, no problem. But I'm going to get with you because I know you've got to get to work. And so I want to make sure that everybody knows how to follow you or get in touch with you. So again, if you're listening on um, iTunes or whatever, you can. I'm going to spell everything out for you. And if you're on YouTube and not paying attention, then you can get it then as well. All right. So on the web, you can find Matt at Berg dot com dot au so v-e-r-g dot c-o-m dot a-u that is his website and that's over in the chat as well and then um also instagram facebook and twitter i'm going to put all those so instagram is matt vergatis um i think i now i'm like super scared of not saying it right yeah, no, no, vergatis is perfect okay and then facebook is just matt verg and then twitter is matt vergatis so again and um, I, uh, somebody posted earlier, and I super appreciate, maybe it was, um, I don't know who it was, I can't remember, um, but your logo pond. So I've got that for the um, the show notes. I also, you get bulk pins from Jet Pins, so I'm going to put yep. a, click, a link there, the Canson Bleed Proof, I'll make sure we get that as well. And then um, the Posca markers, one of my favorites. Uh, I love that one as well. And then I'll make sure that I get your dribble in there too. So fantastic! I I love having conversations with you. You're super. Always a pleasure. Um, for me, it's really easy to always uh, hang out and talk to you. And I'm sorry we, but he has a presentation, so we'll get that in next time. We can do that next time. <laughs> That's all good. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really nice because I um. It's nice to speak to other creatives as well. So things like this, because I, um, I work in an office um, with web developers and a fantastic bunch of people. But to be able to speak to other people that, you know, uh, you know in, in, into lettering and corporate identity and stuff like that um, is, uh, yeah, it's always great. It kind of fits an itch, like you're with your people because they understand all these tiny little things yeah. that maybe you don't get when you're... Um, working with a web developer because yeah i'm with a slack group of um and you've interviewed most of them <laughs> shout out to all you guys um i won't go through all the names because i'll forget someone i don't want to offend anyone but um <laughs> like just being involved in that sort of um you know community like that is is really really cool it's always great to speak to people that are sharing similar sort of problems quoting problems you want to get feedback Colin Tini is my main man for feedback. You know, if, if, you know, if I've done something or if he's done something, we always, you know, shoot a visual over and, you know, we eyeball and it's always, it's always awesome. So it is really yeah. good to have people that can give you that real honest feedback and, and have your yeah. best interests. They want to see yeah. you succeed. Yeah, and I think, um, I think it's a, it is a tight group where you guys are really yeah. able to see growth as well. I yeah. think. Yeah. All right. Well, so thank you, Matt. So next week is supposed to be a rapid recharge. I may see if Matt can come back, but he might not can come back, but we'll <laughs> see. Um, yep. 
And um, get sick of me. <laughs> no, that I think a part two right after would be great. And then I don't okay. have to prepare any more questions because yeah. I have these and you already have your presentation. Yeah. If you if you have time, maybe we can do it next yeah, I'm Wednesday happy. for you. Have a chat. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if that's okay, then we'll do that. If not, you can tell me and be like, I can't believe you put me on the spot. <laughs> no, it's absolutely fine. Anytime. I've enjoyed um, having a chat with you. It's always great having a chat. So no, thank you. And thank you everyone for... Um, that, you know, that left questions. I didn't read them while they were coming in because I'm so bad at multitasking that if, well, if I hadn't been answering your question and started reading, I would have drifted off and I would have been lost. I tried but to I, get the, I tried to get the questions that anybody said or, or most yeah. of the comments too. So the yeah. one I didn't, Jeremy said those fine lines would be very popular in the black line community, tattoo community. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I'm so out of the loop. I'm such yeah, an old granny i guess but yep. i'll look it up jeremy um <laughs> just fine line tattoos oh like my dragon oh yeah yeah absolutely but i think this is what i love about matt is that he's very flexible and i think you know a lot of times people be like um you need to focus and i think you do focus you focus on corporate identity or and branding and and things like that but it's not yeah. you haven't just pinpointed one style because one style will go out it only yeah. ha it has a life and you have yeah. to keep growing i think that's how yeah. we are as a creative but before i let you go you have to give me a serpent analogy i promised people there would be so so we talked about just that grounding how yeah. you get grounded with surfing and then i'll let you go and then we'll continue it on next week can you no tell problems. them a little bit about that so what, uh, just what surfing means to me in my, in my life, is that what you mean? Well, Sure, I, and how it kind of grounds you when, Yeah. because you well, have to I, be I, all in, I guess, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, I've got a young family and I've kind of whittled um, my lifestyle down to three things. And, 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 and they're the three things that I love the most, that I hold closest to me. And, and, and that's my family, of course. And, you know, I've got two young daughters um, and surfing and work and so you know sure it's important to have other interests and stuff like that i play the guitar a lot at the moment um learning the guitar but with surfing it it balances me my wife's just got home so it's perfect timing um <laughs> uh so yeah surfing just balances me because I, I surf at incredibly early hours of the morning and so i start off pretty much every day in the water and you know being out and seeing the sun come up and all of that it's it's just one of those things that starts your day off like every day kind of feels like a holiday when mm. you've had that time in the ocean and and so it doesn't matter what the day throws at me i kind of you know it you know balances me i mean it's the same with other people with exercise any sort of exercise if you do it in the morning it um it just kicks your day off you yeah know, on the right foot and um you know so and then obviously you know i i, I enjoy what i do with work and, and and then you know so i balance those three things and family time and just try and be as good as i can be at those three things and that sort of you know i'm not working through the night you know doing you know burning the candle at both ends i go through my busy periods but i still have that balance i still get my surf in i don't you know let everything get on top of me. I still sort of balance things out. So that's probably, you know what, if I did, then Dismo would have been done in a 10th of the time. <laughs> that's why it took three years because I still had a life. <laughs> right. And I think that's a really important because then yeah. your life doesn't go away, right? You're able to focus. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so much. I guess maybe I'll see you next week. And thank Absolutely. you, guys. And we'll just do another Tuesday. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, and um, I will see you guys next week. Let me hit the off record.